This episode of The Explainer is supported by Daft Advantage Ads. Selling a home is a huge financial decision, so make sure your property is on daft.ie, Ireland's number one property website. Welcome to the journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Laura Byrne, and this week, what's it like to sit the leaving cert today? Well, the sun is shining across the country and that can only mean one thing. We're looking at the start of exam time. The Leaving and Junior Cert Certificate examinations begin this week for tens of thousands of students. Around 60,000 of those will be sitting the Leaving Cert, the final exam of their Irish school experience. And for the class of 23, this happens to be the first time they'll be sitting formal state exams, given they had their Junior Cert experience during COVID. Much has been discussed around the Leaving Cert since the first one was taken many decades ago. The exam settings may have changed somewhat over the years, but overall, reform of the exams has come slowly. Criticisms of the Leaving Cert in recent years have included the over-reliance on actual exams instead of continuous assessment, forcing students to rely maybe a little too heavily on rote learning. The Covid years, of course, brought about some real and overnight changes. So today we're asking, what shape is the Leaving Cert taking now in 2023? Has it changed in any real way? And are students really getting an opportunity to shine in these exams? To look at all of this, I'm delighted to say we're joined by Luke Saunders, who's co-founder and CEO of StudyClicks. Luke, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Delighted to be here. Now, before we get into the ins and outs of the current Leaving Cert, Luke, can you tell us firstly, when was it introduced? Yeah, so I had to look up the, the history books for this one. So it's actually 1924 was the first uh, Leaving Cert. So so actually next year, we're coming up to the big hundred centenary. So I'm not, I'm not sure if they're, they're going to have like a, a festival to celebrate it, but uh, it is, it's, it'll be an interesting time to reflect on a hundred years of the Leaving Cert. I can't imagine it's a festival that anyone would want to show up at, in fairness. Uh, how much has it changed then, Luke, since then? Did it go for years, really, without much change being introduced, do you think? What's What's interesting about it is it's quite transparent in that a lot of the exam material is available on the State Exam Commission website. And you can actually go go back and look at, you know, for, for us adults, you can go back and look at the Leaving Cert papers that you would have taken yourself. And I, I had a look, I did my Leaving Cert in 1999, and uh, it's a fun thing to do. You go in, you go to the exam material archive and you can see, I went in and had a look at the English paper that I sat, looked at the essay titles. It was quite interesting to see, oh, Janie, that was the, the essay I wrote. I could still remember the one I wrote. It was about stress. And um, yeah, so it's quite interesting. So you can see, and, and I suppose what does strike you when you do that is it hasn't changed dramatically. Now, some subjects have changed. I was teaching maths and a big change in maths was, was a new syllabus called Project Maths. That was a, a whole change, the approach of how we assess students in maths, but also how they learn maths. And I, I found that was a really positive change uh, in that particular subject. Now, we'll come back to maybe more recent changes in a second, but how are points calculated in the Leaving Cert right now? I have to admit, full disclosure, I did mine in 1991, so I think we were the last to do the old point system at that stage. So I have no idea how these really high numbers of points are calculated. Yeah, so so what I suppose what can confuse a lot of people, a lot of adults out there is there's a new grading system, which means if you do higher level, you'll have H1, H2, H3, all the way down to H8. And if you do ordinary level, it'll be O1 down to O8 and then F1 down to F8. So you get different amounts of points for different grades. So for example, if you get a H1, which in the old days, that would be called an A1. So it's between 90 and 100%, you get 100 points. Whereas if you get, say, O1, an ordinary level A1, that would be 56 points. 
and you add them up on your best six subjects to get your total points. So in theory, if you've got six H1s, that would be six times 100, which would be 600 points. Now, what confuses it slightly is mathematics, because it's perceived to be a, you know, a much more um, difficult subject to score well in, you get an extra 25 points for doing higher levels. So for example, if you got a H1 in higher maths, you get the 100 for the H1 plus the bonus 25, bringing it up to 125. Or if you say got a H6 in maths, that would give you 46 points plus the 25, which gives you 71 points. So there's kind of like a, an added bonus by taking higher level maths. And what, what they've, it meant that a lot more students stuck higher maths. You know, they, they did it for the leaving cert because what was happening was a lot of students would say, look, you know, I can work harder in one of my other subjects and kind of just get the bare basic pass at ordinary level maths, not put too much time into it and not count it as part of my six. Whereas now you have a much higher proportion of students sticking with higher level, which, which is probably a positive thing. Actually, I was only saying myself the other day, I think I panicked before my leaving cert and dropped higher level maths right only a month or so before. I think there is that pressure on the higher level maths. So that's a good thing. And what then, Luke, is the highest you can get overall? We do maybe every second or third year, we'll hear that one or two students have reached the highest level of points. Yeah, so so the highest level of points would be six H1s plus they've done higher maths. So it's 625, so 625 points. And what you find very often is that you'll have certain courses because as, as I'm sure people know the the points that you get so those 625 points or those 400 points or whatever it is you get they then send you into the CAO system if you choose to go to third level college in Ireland and basically that's what we talk about the points race and the point system the points dictate what courses you get so every student will fill out what they call their CAO form and on it they will list 10 courses that they want to do so if, for example, you got 625 points and you had, I don't know, let's say it's, it's a science in Trinity College or science in NUIG, and it was, say, a 400-point course, then you'll get in before the student who had 390. And basically, it's, it's kind of the highest points get the courses before the others. Now, what happens is there are many courses out there, so many students will want to do it, that the actual points could be 625 points to get it. But... Sometimes you can get full marks and not actually get into the course because they have to do a kind of a lottery system then. So it's, it's, it's at the top end, there's about 1,300 students who get full marks. Well, I would always advise students that I talk through, and we, we have a lot of information on the StudyClicks blog about this, but is to make sure that you have your CEO form filled out such that you have a genuine order of your preference. Don't just kind of, you know, really spend some time at it because it's, it's amazing how many students who have scored really high points actually get no offer because they put down courses that are really, really high and therefore don't get a, any offers. And that, you know, that should never happen. That's that's down to not filling the CO format correctly. That really is one of the criticisms, Luke, isn't it? That some of these high achieving students can be left wanting at the end of it. And maybe some students who would have done well with a continuous assessment approach aren't getting that opportunity. How much continuous assessment is there overall? The key point in, in the Leave and Search system at the moment, right, and this, I think, is, is the main point of contention, is teachers out there have always resisted the idea of grading their own students for the purpose of a Leave and Search grade. Now, obviously, COVID was a total change to all of that, but traditionally, a teacher sees themselves as an advocate who's helping the student to do their learning and be externally assessed. 
by, you know, in an anonymous way. That was always the kind of the, the way it's done. Now, that's not to say there's no project work or, you know, so, so for example, obviously, if the, the oral exams is a good example. So at Easter time, you have an external teacher who doesn't know the student comes in and listens to them speak for 15 or 20 minutes in French or Irish or whatever. Similarly, in, in, in a subject like I taught ag science, you will have a student who'll prepare a project with me as a teacher helping them work through it. But it's again, it's externally assessed. So I will I will grade the students. I would say I think their grades are this, but an external assessor comes in and kind of standardizes my grade to make sure they're good. So we, we do have ongoing assessment, but the key principle, I guess, is that it's always an external assessor doing the grading and verifying the grades to give that fairness. And I think, you know, a lot of people say, oh, there should be less focus on the exams and all. But the one thing you can't dispute is there is a fairness to that when it is corrected anonymously. Yeah, proponents of the Leaving Search will always say that it is entirely fair. And, and there's a lot to be said there. But COVID, the great disruptor came along. And what real changes then did it bring with it? Yeah, so so obviously students, it was, it was a, as we all know, it was a total change. Students weren't even in school. All the learning had to happen online. What happened then was obviously you couldn't have 300 students sitting in one room for obvious reasons. So what the uh, Department of Education introduced back then was the idea that a student could get graded by their teacher, which was called it's called predicted grades or accredited grades. So a teacher would say, look, I think student X is going to get a H3. So the student then had the option to choose to go with the teacher's grades that they were you know, predicting for them. But they had the fallback option if they wanted, they could then sit an exam in November, you know, because COVID was beginning to kind of wind down at that point, and you got the higher of both results. Now, the inevitable consequence of that is, and if you can imagine from a teacher's perspective, right, if you have, let's say, 20 students in your Leaving Cert Biology class, and you have a boy there, we'll call him Johnny, so Johnny's sitting there and you know that like if Johnny puts in the work, he probably has the potential to get a H2. But at the moment, Johnny's sitting at home during this pandemic. You've absolutely no idea how much work he's doing. For all I know, had COVID never happened, Johnny might have gone down to the beach swimming every day, done no study, and he would have got, got out with a H5. And you would have said, but you can't kind of judge Johnny to say, look, you know he has the capability to it. So it's very hard to, you know, to bring students down when you actually don't know how much work they're going to put in. So... What happens there is, it's a natural thing of a teacher, you're an advocate of the student, is to try and give them benefit of the doubt. And what happened was we got enormous grade inflation where students got much higher points than they would in the normal exam times. And, you know, we saw that in the average points. So like uh, prior to COVID-19, the average points was around 340 points. Now in the kind of in the COVID years, it went up to 420 points. So you're talking a, to- a hundred points difference. That's kind of like a grade leap in every subject almost. Do we still have any hangovers then, Luke, from these predicted grades? Would you imagine that some of them, some of those students might be sitting the exams again this week to maybe correct what they feel were unfair grades at the time? Well, yeah, you see, well, generally, there's always exceptions to the rule, but generally students in the pandemic years, in the COVID-19 years, um, they got higher points than, you know, statistically, they got much higher points than students who would have sat the exam in the years prior to the pandemic. And if you think about it, the tricky thing about that is that 
if you have you could have a whole pile of students who did the leaving cert a year ago or two years or well, it's two years ago at this stage they have really high points so let's say you have a student sitting there with 500 points now they're competing against students like if they didn't go straight to college they have their 500 points sitting there and then you have a student sitting the exams this week who's actually doing the traditional exams and will probably score lower for the reasons i've already said so you've those two people competing with their points to try and get into courses for you know in september and the tricky thing there is if you suddenly jump back to the the pre-pandemic points you then have a real mismatch between those students who did the leaving cert during the accredited grades time versus those who are sitting the exam you know in the in the way we're doing it now so so minister norma foley has, has said that there's going to be not a kind of cliff fall between the two that we're going to slowly how would I say, like release the valve on grade inflation and bring it back to norms. So I reckon that this year is the year that we're kind of, we'll go halfway between the two and hopefully in the exam that will take place in June of 24, uh, we'll probably be back to pre-pandemic levels. So a slow movement really back to what we know to be the norm. But the greatest criticism of the Leaving Cert has always been that it just encouraged rote learning, uh, pushing for points, no great original thinking. To what extent then, Luke, have any of these changes alleviated that? Yeah, like I think I think the, the project maths that I mentioned earlier is a very good example of that. I think if you want to, you know, ultimately teachers are always going to prepare their students for a test. That's kind of unavoidable. That's it's when you get to sixth year, certainly, and sometimes even a fifth year, teachers are definitely aware of there's an exam coming up. Obviously, the students are aware of it. Their parents are aware of it. I think what you really need to do if you want to change the education system, one of the, the first things you need to do is look at how those exams, you know, the types of questions what's on the course, like look at how those exams are structured. And I think the Project Maths is a pretty good example of that. Like there was a, prior to Project Maths, there was a lot of questions which was just be like, work out a piece of algebra with no real, it was just like doing maths for the sake of doing maths, which is, which is fine. But when Project Maths came along, what they did really was, it was much more about problem solving and the student would have to convert a kind of a problem written in English words into mathematics and then solve it so what it means is in project maths when you're teaching it to the fifth and sixth years you're not just saying okay look here's a first principles problem just keep going and wrote learning how to do that it's much more about like how you approach problems and i think there's a much deeper learning when you do that so i think that's a really good example of how changes in the curriculum and in the assessment style can actually lead to better learning outcomes thinking of selling Choose Adapt Advantage ads to guarantee unbeatable visibility, attract more buyers, and get the best price for your home. Ask your estate agent for Adapt Advantage ad today. I think it's well known, really, isn't it, that changes within the Department of Education and, and within this system, given it's so huge, they come slowly. Uh, in that time, of course, the workforce has changed rapidly because of technology and maybe third level has moved a little faster with it. So there are probably other changes in the Leaving Cert that need to come in order to catch up with all of that. Yeah, like, look, I suppose if, if you want to change how the senior cycle, as, as the new Leaving Cert is going to be called, you know, we have junior cycle and senior cycle now, as opposed to like junior cert and Leaving Cert, you have to bring the teachers with you because ultimately the teachers are one of the main stakeholders. They're the ones that are delivering the course. And often what happens is when, you know, you have new changes coming in, 
you have to have buy-in from the teachers and the teachers have to feel involved in shaping those changes because at the end of the day, they're the ones delivering it in the, in the classroom. And often what happens is you can have very ambitious ways of, of changing things. But like, if you give you an example of say biology, right? You can have really, um, you know, ambitious ways or really cool teaching styles to like make it more investigative and have the students do more. But at the end of the day, the course is still extremely long. And as a teacher, you know that you need to cover ecology and plant science and human science you have to cover all the course so i think what you have to do is work with teachers to figure out look let's make this course smaller so that we can actually deliver it in a more challenging way for students that moves away from remote learning but the syllabus has to change in order for the teaching style to change and you know the, the learning experience of the student so where are we now with plans from government are there any real concrete plans coming down the line then luke yeah, so I suppose a lot of this goes back to there was there was a review recently called the Senior Cycle Review, and they released an advisory report which talked about a lot of the changes. So this would have been a whole big panel, and they would have worked with loads of different stakeholders to get their inputs on it. And I suppose there's different aspects of it, right? So there's the ambition to move to more continuous assessment. So about uh, the, the ambition is to have about 40% of the exam is continuous assessment, 60% being a terminal paper. The idea also is to try and lower the amount of stress and emphasis placed on the actual exam. And there was talk, I'm, I'm sure people out there would have heard of, of possibly moving some of the paper ones to the end of fifth year. Now, that's a really good example of, you know, there's, there's, there's the kind of principle of let's lower the stress of the students by splitting up the exams and moving some of them into the end of fifth year. But then when you actually try to deliver that on the ground, the teachers are kind of going, well, if you want them to take English paper one and start writing essays uh, at the end of fifth year, the point they would make is, well, like a lot of students ability to write and the development of their opinions only really comes once they've actually done a lot of the topics on paper two, like they've done poetry or they've Shakespeare or, or they've read a novel. So when it actually practically comes to, okay, let's change everything. The teachers will say, well, look, it's not actually, effective to do that and it, what will happen is if you do that then it might change the whole way that the course is delivered for the worst but that's just a real simple example of one small example of how sometimes change can be really difficult so yeah so some of the other changes are like, they want to have the student has a bit more options in the learning path that they take and again I, I like that idea it just has to be well thought out in order that it's you know it's it's possible to deliver that on the ground and Luke, when you look at Ireland's education system internationally, it does have a really good reputation and there are issues and we've touched on some of those. But if you look at other countries, then how do we compare to other countries internationally? And is there anything we can learn from them? Yeah, so it's quite interesting. So, so StudyClix is in Ireland, but it's also in Australia. And we work in, in a couple of the different states in Australia. And when you go to one like, say, Victoria, it's remarkable how similar their exam system is. Uh, they do have the continuous assessment. They've kind of got that 40% element we're talking about. They've got, um, it's called school assessed coursework and they've got school assessed tasks. So it's not a million miles away from where Ireland is beginning to go. If you look at, there's, you know, you often hear about Finland is always brought out as the kind of like the best boy in the class of the the world education systems. And what's very interesting about Finland is that they invest a lot in their teachers, right? So if you want to become a teacher in Finland, you must have a master's degree, right? So it, they really, and they pay teachers very well because they want to get 
you know, high quality uh, graduates to become teachers. And I think there's something quite interesting in that, that they're, you know, they're really prioritizing the teachers. And what they do is they're, they're very much around trusting the teacher. Uh, so there's, they, they only have one exam at the end of the system. And they always endeavor in Finland to try and keep the number of changes of teacher to a minimum, right? So as a student starts off in school and, you know, in first year, they try and have teachers stick with students. Like, so, so for example, your maths teacher will stick with you right the way through. And I think there's a lot of uh, merit in that because as a teacher, you get to know your students, you get to know what works for them. If they're constantly shopping, and they indeed, as a student looking at the teacher, they begin to get to know the teacher and not so much chopping and changing helps. The other interesting thing in Finland is they actually start school much later. They start at seven. And funny enough, the school day is a lot shorter. So it's a very different system. But when you look at, you know, when you test students in Finland, they, they, the OECD do this quite a lot. And they, they test students uh, from different countries. Students from Finland actually off, often score really high. So it's interesting to see different ones. And then when we go back to Australia, Queensland had a model similar to Finland where it was very teacher-led the teacher would create all the exams it was all in-house assessment within the schools that they've recently moved towards the irish and victorian model where no there is actually a government supplied exam so it's interesting to see i would say ireland is not that dissimilar to lots of other parts of the world that sounds really interesting and it definitely seems like a more holistic approach, doesn't it? Uh, I think we can't really talk about the Leaving Cert course this week, Luke, without mentioning the Junior Cert and they're also starting their exams. It's a good training ground for the final exams, isn't it? But there are changes expected in the coming years on that one too. Yeah, so the Junior Cycle has changed significantly since you know most adults will have done their old Junior Cert or Inter Cert as it was before that. The big change at junior level is there's much more continuous assessment. So we call them what are called CBAs, classroom-based assessment. So I'll give you the example in science, which is you know, a subject I would have delivered. Is, so what would happen is in second year, for example, there will be a published list of seven or eight project titles or investigation titles, right? So for example, I'll give you an example of one. It'd be like the effect of heat on how high a bouncy ball bounces, something like that, right? And then the students then form little groups and they will then come up with an experimental method and then they'll work together as a group and they'll figure out, okay, this is how we're going to, you know, test this hypothesis. So someone, one of them might go, okay, we're going to put a basketball out in the sun and then drop it off the top story of the school and see how high it bounces up. Another one might go, we're going to get a hairdryer on a bouncy ball, whatever, right? So they all have all of their own ideas. They do their tests. They then write up a report. So they're, they're basically following the scientific method in groups and then how it works is I then as a teacher will grade them but it's not a kind of h1 h2 type grade it's like yet to meet expectations will be one of the lower ones and then like above expectations will be a really good one so it's kind of that type of grading and then what I do is I then give that my grades I sit sit down with one of my colleagues within the science department and they have a look at mine and say you know yeah they seem reasonable they all seem you know, they're all aligned. It's not like one teacher has been an easy marker, the other is not. That happens in second year. They do further things in third year, and then they still sit a terminal exam. It's a really nice system. I think that the students get a lot out of it. I would say that sometimes it's a bit, they're inundated with these CBAs. You know, they could have four or five of them going on at once. It can be, it can be a lot in second year. 
and what we find actually with in study clicks is that the parents often are like oh, i want to help my child but like i don't have a clue what even a cba is and we make blog posts on guides and all this type of stuff so you know you do get some students can get support in these things so it turns out things like continuous assessment, they do take up a little bit more resourcing, obviously, but they pay off in the end. And I know, obviously, Luke, it's not been an easy few years for teachers, parents and students in the Leaving Cert cycle. So looking at Leaving Cert 2023, what sort of shape is it going to take? Yeah, I think this this Leaving Cert 2023 is going to be a move back to re- the norm, if you know what I mean. It's 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 kind of we're, we're getting back to what it was like pre-pandemic. There'll still be a little bit. I think the points will be higher than normal. So yeah, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a, as close as as normal to you know what we had you know where we were. I think one of the the big changes now is there's the option of what's called a deferred exam. So if a student, for example, has um, a bereavement or let's say they test positive for COVID, there still is an option that they can sit the exams in July. So that that's there. I think there is probably a lot of change coming down the road in terms of like we did a survey on study clicks recently where we asked students about their use of chat gpt for schoolwork and what we found was was staggering in that one in five students are already using it for their schoolwork and you know when i learned that then the next obvious question was what are you actually doing with it you know what what are the things you're doing and what we find a lot of students are doing is they're using as a starting point for essays right so you could say for example uh you know, there's there's an essay that you have to do for homework, which is like talk about the relationship between Lady Macbeth and Macbeth. They'll go into ChatGPT, ask it, then they'll get a whole series of points, and then they'll develop them in their own language, or some even worse, sometimes copy copy them in word for word. I think that's going to have a big impact on our exam system, and um, because you know, obviously we've talked about that there's a willingness to move towards continuous assessment but you've got to remember if a student has the ability now to do something at home it's not just a case of googling stuff they can actually use the likes of chat gpt to do significant amounts of the project like that really does argue for the exams at the end of all of this rather than any uh continuous assessment doesn't it because i guess you can't re- no matter what you've done on chat gpt you can't bring it with you into the exam hall for sure yeah absolutely that was my first thought was like it actually you know, for all the talk of change, and, and I do think there should be change, but you've got to remember ChatGPT is now part of what happens when you go outside an exam hall or a classroom. And, and that's, it's whether we like it or not, it's going to affect how our Leaving Cert is in 20, you know, 40 or whatever it is, because that's what, that's, it's going to have a real, real impact. And Luke, a lot of our listeners to the podcast will be parents of Leaving Cert students. There's a lot of pressure on the family unit at this time. Have you any advice for them? Yeah, for sure. I would say the first thing which is going to come naturally to you anyway is just to, to kind of be there for your child and show them love and reassure them that no matter what happens, you're there. From there. That's the basics. You don't even have to tell a parent that it happens naturally. I suppose from a practical level, I would say be a good listener. So when, when your child comes home uh, after their exam, kind of be perceptive like do they want to talk about it if yes let them talk don't keep pestering them like and what happened in section b and then what happened in section c don't make them do what we call a post-mortem unless they want to do it but you know don't dwell on the day's papers too much let them move on you know move the conversation on what what, what have we got tomorrow i think a good one would be just as a parent print out the timetable be aware that like tomorrow siobhan has two exams 
She's going to be in school all day. Make sure she's got a lunch for in between. Possibly would it help if I, if I could pick her up after the exam, this kind of stuff. So just be aware of the timetable, you know, how they're going to get there, all those kind of basic things. But ultimately, it's just about being there for the child. And finally, Luke, for the students themselves, I would love to go back to my Leaving Cert self and say, oh, my goodness, don't panic. This is just one step in a very long and very exciting road of education. What advice do you have for everyone? Yeah, for sure. And look, like there's so much hype around the Leaving Cert. It always seems like, you know, there's no other alternatives. But I've had a lot of students that I've taught and who've gone on to work for us with StudyClicks that what they've done is they've they might have got the points. Like one example I'm thinking of is uh, um, one of our staff wanted to do occupational therapy. What happened was she um, she didn't get quite the points, but then what she did was she went and did um, a further education course for a year and then got into her course. So it was like one year on and she was in and now she's an OT and doing great with it. There are lots of pathways to the career that you want. And the Leaving Cert is just one step in that and it's not the be all and end all. So I'd say that to you. And then just at a very practical level, I would say to students, you know, when you do the Leaving Cert, one of the things you're trying to avoid is to try and avoid making big mistakes, right? And what I mean by that is like, when you go into say your geography exam or your English paper two exam, be really clear and remind yourself how many questions you need to do, right? So you need to do, let's say your Macbeth question, your poetry question, be really clear about the structure of the paper and just make sure that you don't walk out of the exam saying, I ran out of time and didn't get my Macbeth question done or whatever. That's what you're trying to do is avoid the mistakes. It's really, really like that's the one piece of advice. Make sure you get all the questions attempted. You know, sometimes what happens is a student will go, oh, there's a lovely question on Lady Macbeth. I'm going to spend the first 90 minutes of the exams right now because I'm so good at that. And then that's at the cost of not being able to write the Bishop essay that came up. And, Remember, you're not going to get, by spending 90 minutes on Lady Macbeth, it doesn't start giving you marks that you've lost on the Bishop essay. So just make sure you get the right amount of questions done uh, and not run out of time. And familiarise yourself with the structure of the paper and have a timing plan so that you can answer all the questions and not run out of time. That's really good advice there, Luke. And the same advice obviously still applies uh, right the way through. Better to give your energy to all the questions than just spend your time on one. Uh, Thanks so much, Luke, for joining us on all of this today. Thanks. Enjoyed it. This episode of The Explainer was supported by Daft Advantage Ads, the best way to sell your home in Ireland. Looking to get the best price for your home? Ask your estate agent for a Daft Advantage ad today. Thanks again to Luke Saunders of Study Clicks for joining us today. And from all of us here at the Journal, the very best of luck to all students in the junior and leaving cert exams starting this week. You've been listening to the Explainer podcast by thejournal.ie. This episode was brought to you by senior producer Nikki Ryan and executive producer Sinead O'Carroll. And if you'd like to support all the work we do here, head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to make a one-off donation or become a monthly subscriber. And of course, you can always leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.